0: Hi everyone. I hope that you've enjoyed a good and restful time over the summer period. Uh, I've been enjoying the time at Understand the Bible, uh, just uh, having a bit of holiday time and thinking about what we're going to do next. So in the coming weeks uh, on the YouTube, we're going to be looking at uh, we're going to be looking at the Creed and going through the Apostles' Creed, thinking about what that means for us, and that will be over on the YouTube channel. On the podcast, we're going to be starting a new sermon series coming up and looking at the book of Daniel. So I hope that you're looking forward to that. This is a one-off sermon. This uh, is finishing off the book of Acts. Well, I say it's one-off. It's finishing off Acts. um, And we've uh, already had one or two of those sermons on the podcast um, a few months ago. So this will be the last sermon on the book of Acts for the time being, Acts chapter 19, verses 1 to 22. And we're especially thinking about the Christian life and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and and how we access that. That's Acts chapter 19, verses 1 to 22. You might like to have a read of the passage uh, before we begin. So thanks so much everyone for joining me. I hope that you enjoy and I'll see you again soon. By, uh, by asking a question. What are you doing here? And I don't mean, what are you doing here on this earth? I mean, what, what are you doing here in church? Why would you come to church? Like Mark, Mark started out the service saying, it's a nice day. You could go down the beach. You could be doing something else on a Sunday morning, but you chose to give up your, ta- uh, your time, give up your time to come to church. Why would you do that? Or you might think, well, why are you a Christian? Why are you a Christian? That um, there are a lot of options on the table. We hear this, uh, don't we, in the, you watch the TV, uh, look at the news, the media. We're very aware now that Christianity is not the only game in town. So why would you want to be a Christian, especially with the cost that it now carries? Uh, And I think this, this is especially true for younger people, but for all of us really, that being a Christian is not an easy thing. If you're at school, you're at university, um, whatever it is, you will get people who think not just that you're a bit strange, but that you're actually sometimes immoral. They won't talk to you if you're a Christian now. Why would you do it? And that's really the question that I want to look at as we come uh, to look at Paul in Ephesus. This, is, this actually brings us to the end of our series that we're doing in Acts so we may, so we started out, you may remember, we started Acts um, about, you know, three or four years ago, um, and then we had a break. So we might, in three or four years, we might finish off Acts. Um, but uh, uh, this is the last one that we're going to have in, in Acts today. And um, it's in Ephesus. Now, Ephesus, you might know, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world was in Ephesus, and it was the temple of Artemis. Artemis was their goddess. And they had this temple, this great big temple, uh, which, um, sadly, there's virtually nothing that remains today. I looked it up on Wikipedia, you see. I saw a picture. Um, and you can go and have a look at the picture. There's just one column, I think, pretty much, that remains. Um, but, um, yeah, then it was the most important thing about the city. And it tells you a lot about, about the city, doesn't it? You know, they had this seven wonder of the ancient world, this temple of Artemis. And that was what they were all about, the worship of this goddess and a lot of magic superstition pagan religion not too dissimilar to today actually you might think in some ways although we don't have a temple lots of different things that people worship uh, today lots of different kinds of religion so paul comes in to ephesus and uh, he he meets this group of it says some disciples and uh, he says, did you receive the Holy Spirit? They said, well, no, we haven't even heard. There was the Holy Spirit. And it turns out they've only had John's baptism. And as Paul says, that's only a baptism of repentance. So they're baptised in Jesus' name. And then they receive the Holy Spirit. And um, this is, might seem a little bit strange to us, but you have to remember what's happening in Acts, that this is a unique moment in history Um, That they'd only heard about John, they hadn't heard uh, about Jesus. And the Spirit comes when they believe in Jesus, when they're baptised into his name. And the tongues and the prophecy, it mentions that in verse uh, 6, they spoke in tongues and prophesied. You think back to Acts chapter 2 about Pentecost. This is their Pentecost moment. So this is God demonstrating that the, the Holy Spirit really has come. Uh, upon them now some people in the, the 20th century and I'd just like to deal with this very briefly because um, you might have heard of this is some people were saying that uh, it's not enough just to believe in Jesus but you need to have a sort of second baptism of, of the Holy Spirit after, after you've believed so you believe in Jesus and then sometime later you're baptised with, with the Holy Spirit and I don't think that's what this passage is saying at all. I think what, uh, what this is saying is that the most important thing is that we believe in Jesus and we baptise into his name. And that's um, what uh, Paul says elsewhere in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3. Paul says that no one can say that Jesus is Lord without the Holy Spirit. So if you confess Jesus is Lord of your life, that's by the power of the Holy Spirit. So you don't need a, a sort of second baptism of the Holy Spirit. But this was just a unique moment to show them that uh, repentance was not enough. That, that's what John's baptism was. Repentance was not enough. They needed to repent and believe in Jesus. That's the two, two sides of it. repent, believe in Jesus. Um, the key thing is that the Holy Spirit was given when they came to Jesus, and that's what the rest of this this, um, section in Acts is about. That's what we're going to be looking at for the rest of the time. So Paul, he goes on as was his custom. He goes into the synagogue and he speaks to the Jews there, and he's there for three months um, arguing about the kingdom of God, trying to persuade them about Jesus. And it says, verse 9, some of them became obstinate, and refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. And I just thought that's, a, that's an encouragement to us if we've ever had that kind of experience. You know, perhaps there are uh, friends of yours or people you know you're trying to tell about Jesus and they maybe are interested to start with. But then it gets to the point where they just don't want to hear anymore. They say don't talk to me about that and maybe even they start saying nasty things um, about Jesus or, or even about you. And I thought, well, that's an encouragement that Paul, who was one of the greatest evangelists of you know, the, the world has known, had this experience as well. Um, and so he moved into this hall of Tyrannus, um, which we presume is a, a Gentile uh, place uh, among the Gentiles. And he was there for two years. So quite a, a good, good chunk of time he was there. And God, it says in verse 11... God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. So even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to those who were ill, and their illnesses were cured, and the evil spirits left them. And uh, this is an example of God, what we say God accommodating himself to people's, uh, their weakness, their beliefs. Because at this time there was a, a kind of superstitious belief that even you know, handkerchiefs and aprons, for example, that had touched someone who was a sort of special, could could be healing. And what God was doing here is not confirming their superstition, but actually confirming that he was the one who was behind it. So it's not a superstitious thing. It's actually um, God working and doing the miraculous deeds. And that's what it said. God did extraordinary miracles. And... Um, it's just like what it says in the, in 1 Thessalonians. You may remember we looked at this um, not so long ago. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter, uh, chapter 1 verse 5 where Paul says, Our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. So the, the gospel came with, yes with words, but with power, with the Holy Spirit. And that was what happened. Now the question that... You might be thinking as, as you read this, and this is actually a question that comes up really all the way through the book of Acts as you read, is what should we be expecting today? Because you know, if I blow my nose on a tissue uh, and then you know, throw the tissue in the bin, if, if someone accidentally touches it, they don't get healed um, from touching the tissue or, or whatever it is. And um, that kind of thing, you might think, well, it just doesn't really happen today, does it? So what should we expect today? I remember a few years ago, uh, when I was training at college, at the church, so there were some people there who went to New Wine, and they came back kind of full of talking about signs and wonders, and how we should be expecting, uh, expecting these things. But if we're honest with ourselves, how many times have we seen it? I mean, God does heal today. I know... A friend of mine who was, um, is now ordained and he's a vicar not far from here, um, but he was healed miraculously um, a few, some years ago. So it does happen, but it doesn't seem to happen that much. So, what should we be expecting and, and why is our life not like this in, in Acts? And I think the important thing is to understand that the Holy Spirit doesn't simply work with miracles. That he does sometimes, but I think that's not the, the primary way that the Holy Spirit works in us. And I'm going to um, just read you a, a few quotes from um, uh, a book called True Spirituality by Francis Schaeffer. Now Schaeffer, I I don't know if any of you've come across Schaefer before. If I I know there are some names that I mentioned, like John Stott, maybe some of you might have uh, might know. Um, people like Jim Packer, these are kind of often well-read books. But Schaefer's books have kind of fallen out of of favour a little bit. Not many people know about him. Certainly not in Britain anyway. And I think that's a real shame because I think um, his books, and especially this one, I mean, this has had a very profound um, impact on my thinking in the last sort of few years. It was written... Let me just tell you a bit about him, by the way. Uh, He was an American... And uh, he had a bit of a crisis of faith when he, was, uh, he became a pastor. He had a crisis of faith and he had this kind of experience. Why is my life so different to what the New Testament seems to be saying? And uh, so that caused him to go back to basics, go back to the Bible. And uh, he ended up founding um, Library Community in Switzerland. Some of you might have come across that. Anyway, that's just his, his sort of story. But what he tries to say is that we need to live a a life now in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the power of faith. Not in our own strength, but in the Spirit's strength. And this is what what he says. What makes the difference? This is the Holy Spirit, not just a new idea. It is not to be in our own strength. There is a Holy Spirit who has been given to us to make this uh, this service possible. There is not enough strength in ourselves, but placed before us is the power and work of the glorified Christ through the agency of the Holy Spirit. Surely this is exactly what Christ meant when he said, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. So he says that we should be living life in the power of the Holy Spirit, not in our own strength. And that is in order to live the kind of life that God wants us to live. Not with extraordinary miracles, but a life of love of love for God and a love for our neighbour. That's how the Holy Spirit works in us. Let me just read you one more quote from a bit later on in in the book. Whatever is not an exhibition that God exists misses the whole purpose of the Christian's life now on this earth. According to the Bible, we are to be living a supernatural life now in this present existence in a way we shall never be able to do so again through all eternity. We are called upon to live a supernatural life now by faith. Eternity will be wonderful, but there is one thing heaven will not contain, and that is the call, the possibility, and the privilege of living a supernatural life here and now by faith before we see Jesus face to face. So what he means there, again, is not living a life of kind of extraordinary miracles, but living a life which is an exhibition that God exists. It's saying... I live, and I, I love God, I love others, not through my own strength, but the power of, of Christ who lives in me, by the power of the Holy Spirit. So people can look at us and say, that person is living with the power of the Holy Spirit. Even if they're, they're not Christian, they can see the difference it makes. And that's the point of it, really. That God, in the Holy Spirit, gives us the strength to love and to serve serve him and to serve others beyond our own strength. And you think about Acts. You know, the Acts was not a bunch of strong men, people who were just, you know, going around in their own strength, full of themselves, doing all of this stuff. It was the Holy Spirit working, wasn't it? It was the Holy Spirit working. So let's move on. The rest of the passage, let's do that a bit more uh, a bit more briefly. So after this, uh, there's this little thing with the, the seven sons of Siva, Shiva, Skiva. I think the Aussie evangelist John Chapman said, there's only one way to pronounce biblical names. That's confidently. <laughs> <laughs> so you just pick one and go with it. And everyone will say, oh, that's how it's pronounced then. Um, so, um, and they're trying to drive out demons. They say, in the name of the, that Jesus, come out. And, and they get caught out. And the demon says, well, Jesus I know, and Paul I've heard of, but who are you? And he leaps on them and beats them, um, and, and they leave naked and, and bleeding. And you think, it's a compa- compare that with uh, Jesus, you know, how he treats the, um, the demon-possessed man. You know, when the demons go into the pigs, and, um, and the man who is living among the tombs, he's there, dressed and in his right mind. So it's the opposite, really, isn't it? And that's the big message of this that you can't have the power of the Holy Spirit without Jesus. And it's, it's actually how we started, isn't it? You know, without Jesus, it just doesn't work. That actually, that, that, that life, the life filled with the Spirit, is only a life with Jesus. That's the message. And, um, and the result is that um, this became known to the Jews and Greeks. So this is um, verse 17. And they were seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honour. So this was a public demonstration of God's power, of uh, Jesus' power. And people saw and they recognised where the power truly was. They recognised that Jesus was the one who had the power, unlike the other things that they worshipped, such as their God, Artemis. And if you read on in chapter 19, that becomes an issue, but we won't get to that today. And so what happens is a lot of people renounce their their religion. It says, uh, verse 18, many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they'd done. Then verse 19, a number who practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burnt them publicly. And the scrolls, it it came to about 50,000 drachmas. Um, I worked out what what 50,000 drachmas is. I sort of did a back of an envelope calculation. And I worked out it was about three and a quarter million pounds, roughly, in today's money. So a huge amount of money. Now, what would cause them to to renounce their old ways? What would cause them to give up that much wealth? And the answer is, they'd found something better. That was the thing. They had found something that, that really worked, that was true, that had power. That all of their, their superstition, all of their religion, it, was, it wasn't worth anything because it wasn't true. It didn't work. Well, what shall we make of this? I've got one question that I'd like us to be thinking about, and this is something which, another question actually from Schaefer. Um, I think this is a really thought-provoking question. And I think this is one which we all can think about for ourselves as well as as a church. And the question is this. If everything about the Holy Spirit was removed from the Bible, just gone from the Bible, like the Holy Spirit disappeared, would my life, would your life, would our life as a church look any different? Now I think that's one of those... Um, one of those questions which is you think and you think, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a good one, isn't it? How would our lives look different if the Holy Spirit didn't exist? Would they just look the same? While you're thinking about that, I'd like to just suggest a couple of ways to, uh, that we can, um, trusting God, that we can, if you like, draw on the strength of the Holy Spirit and kind of have that in our, in our lives. So I think one of the, the biggest issues that, that we do as human beings is we like to, to lean on our own strength rather than on God's strength, rather than on, on the Holy Spirit. So the first thing is prayer. Do we pray as if everything depended on God? You think of what Jesus said, and this is a verse that I've come back to many times, over the last few years John chapter 15 verse 5 where Jesus says apart from me you can do nothing and I think do we pray as if that's really true apart from me you can do nothing do we think do we act do we pray as if that was true do we depend on God and even when we do pray do we pray too small and I, I sometimes think we, we do this when we pray. You know, we pray, oh, please, can I have a nice day tomorrow? Can pray for good weather. We pray for people who are sick. Now, obviously, good things to pray for, all of them. But are there bigger things we can ask God for? Now, what, what might God be calling us to do? How might God be calling us to love him and to love others in all sorts of ways? Um, I've just, um, oh, here we go. Oh, it knocking everything off here there's a pile of books here you see so it's uh, (laughs) so um, Reluca has um, got a little um, book group which my my wife is is part of and uh, they just read not long ago Red Moon Rising this is by Pete Gregg and Dave Roberts and it's the story of 24-7 prayer and I I haven't read the book um, as yet but my wife informs me that one of the things she really appreciated about it was that it all came from God. That it's not Pete Gregg, you know, kind of doing stuff and, um, you know, being, um, doing it, being an amazing, you know, setting up a 24-7 prayer movement. But it's God working through him, through these people. And, uh, you know, just having that vision to pray, vision to ask God and to be led by God. So you might like to have a little read of that. Um, the second thing I'm going to suggest, and I apologise for sounding like a broken record, if, especially if you come to Wednesday Worshippers, but I'm going to keep saying it because I think it's so important, and that is just reading a psalm every day. And that, that is it really. But the psalms are full of this, just that dependence on God, knowing that it's through, through him, through, uh, through Jesus ultimately, that we, we can accomplish anything. So, do we uh, listen to him? Read the, If we read the Psalms, I think it's just taking taking that and applying it to ourselves, and uh, and knowing that we can pray those through Christ for ourselves. So, I would really recommend uh, that practice. I've, I've really benefited myself over the last few years. I think I've been doing it about four or five years now, just reading a psalm every day, and it's, it's hugely beneficial to me. And I'm sure you would find the same thing. I just, just to finish, one verse that I want to finish with, as an encouragement, is Colossians chapter 1, verse 29, where Paul says, To this end I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. So can, that's the benefit of the Holy Spirit working in us, because it's not our own strength. It's God's strength, through Christ, through the Holy Spirit working in us. We're not limited by our own skills or or strengths or or things. The limit is what God can do through Christ Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, which is beyond any of our uh, abilities, natural abilities. And that is just changing. It's a game changer, isn't it? It's God working in us. And that's the encouraging thing that I wanted uh, to leave us with today. So let's pray and ask for God's help as I think we need to after after hearing that. I know that these are big things, big topics, but we'll pray and ask God for help to apply them to our hearts. Now, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Book of Acts, and we thank you for seeing the many wonderful things uh, that you did through um, ordinary people, uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would help us to understand how you can work through us as well. Please help us to depend on your strength working in us, on the Holy Spirit working in us, not on our own strength, but looking to Christ every day for what you wish to accomplish through us. So please help us to put ourselves at your disposal and help us to look to you every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.